It is Friday, June 9th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Panthers with an important win in Game 3. And Dalvin Cook in the unemployment line. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Florida Panthers cheat their way to a 3-2 win over the Golden Knights. (laughs) The Heat look to make it a South Florida double dip tonight. What is the Vegas lead here, Scott? We'll go with the (laughs) hockey last night. Stanley Cup final game three in South Florida. The Panthers with a 3-2 overtime win over the Vegas Golden Knights in what was probably up until late in the third period the worst one of the worst playoff games of this postseason. Well, what was so what what was so terrible about it? Uh, I mean, it was, eleven like, power play opportunities. There was okay. It, there were so many penalties called. It was in the second period. It was just penalty after penalty after penalty. Absolutely no game flow whatsoever. Uh, the Knights, six power play opportunities. They score on two of them. That's how they got their two goals. Is that a good percentage? What's a what's a good yes. percentage? They've been great. Well, Vegas in this entire Stanley Cup final has been at 35% on the power play, which is just absurd. That's higher than the best team in the entire league all season long. They're 6-4-17 on the power play, including the two for six last night. Florida was 0 for 5 last night, and in this series, Florida is now 0. You get you ready for this? Yeah. 0 for 12. That's 0%. That's 0%. So Vegas has done an incredible job on the penalty kill. Florida's not scoring on the power play. But going back to those numbers, way too many penalties. There were 15 penalties in this game. 15 penalties, eight for the Panthers, seven for the Knights. This was a game that had no flow to it whatsoever until the third period. Kind of opened up a bit in the third. The refs maybe swallowed the whistle a little bit in the third. But then Florida takes a late penalty at the end of regulation, which... uh, Iffy call. Yeah, you could say that. Um, Basically, a guy tripped on his own two feet, and they called a penalty. And so incredible momentum that was gained by Florida when they were able to kill off that penalty in the first minute plus of overtime, and then they get the overtime winner. So Florida gets the 3-2 win, and the game plays out pretty much exactly how we said it had to play out in order for Florida to win a game. I believe you said it might be 2-2 entering overtime. Which is why I didn't want to do Florida on the money line. I just wanted to play the under. And the under was the way to go. We had two high-scoring games in games one and two. You knew it was going to tighten up in game three, especially when it was Florida who was playing with the desperation. And Florida's only way to win a game in this series was to keep it low-scoring, was to keep Vegas off the score sheet. Now, they took too many penalties. They were undisciplined. Vegas scores two power play goals. They've been amazing on the power play. So I'm not going to sit here and say Florida did a bad job of not letting Vegas score. I think they actually did a very good job of not letting Vegas score. And Sergei Bobrovsky went back to being playoff Bob. He had 25 saves on 27 shots. He made some key saves to keep Florida in the game when it was a 2-1 game and give them an opportunity to score the game-tying goal with the empty net late in regulation. And the puck just bounced their way. Matthew Kachuk, who left the game for a while after taking a hit, came back in, and he gets the game-tying goal at the end of regulation with little over... Three uh, minutes left? Yeah, like three, a little under three minutes left, I guess. And that was really... How, how, how long was it before, or like when they pulled the goalie, how long until the goal got scored? They, they had the man advantage for probably a minute, maybe a little less. They pulled the goaltender with a little over three minutes, and then it was under three minutes when Kachuk scored the goal. Um, so five on four, over five. Six on five. 
one and zero. Yes, yeah. six on five, one and zero. Exactly. Feels like cheating to me that they pulled their goalie and played six oh. on five. Like, I'll just be honest. <laughs> awesome. It seems like uh, it seems like bad sportsmanship. First of all, there's a lot of things wrong with it. So I, I, I mean, it's a win, but I think there should be an asterisk next to this mm. win. Well, uh, <laughs> here's something that you cannot deny: Jonathan Marchessault scoring a goal as he I, scored his 13th of the playoffs. I looked at this number plus 185 anytime goal score, and I was like. That's got to happen, right? It's like 11 goals in the last 10 games. He's right. been he's And then been I was like, unbelievable. Well, Scott said it's going to be an under game, so if the if the Knights only score twice, mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't get one tonight. So, and now I had I have great regrets. Small shift in March Assault's odds. He was minus 105 to be the Con Smythe Trophy winner, which is the playoffs MVP. And after last night, he is now minus 110. So they lost the game and five cents in his direction, yes. I, that is interesting. Yes. That, that's telling as well. That I Well, mean, this because guy... Vegas is still up two games to one. They are still favored to win the series. Vegas is minus 260. Florida on the comeback is plus 210. The biggest riser, I guess you can say, in the Con Smythe odds is Matthew Kachuk, who is the second favorite at plus 350. Sergey Bavrovsky re-enters the chat. At plus 450, Jack Eichel is sitting there at plus 650, Aiden Hill at 10 to 1. To me, I feel like Jack Eichel, that's like a, uh, if if Jack Eichel were to win it, it's it's certainly a career achievement award. Like, he's not been the best player for the Knights. Well, he's been great at setting up people, like he had the assist on the March Assault goal, but Jonathan March Assault's playing on another level right now. Yeah. I mean, he's the best sniper in the postseason right now, and so he just keeps scoring. Uh, but I think if they, if Florida is able to come back and win, I think it's got to be Matthew Kachuk and not Sergey Bobrovsky, which is very counterintuitive because the way that Florida has to win is to keep it low scoring. Yeah. But Matthew Kachuk is now tied with the lead at 24 points this postseason. When it's all said and done, he could become the first Florida Panthers player in history to lead the NHL in points in a playoff year. Like, he's making franchise-defining plays this postseason. He has, what, the three overtime winners? They've won now 7-0 in overtime this postseason. They've won 10 straight overtime playoff games, second longest streak in NHL history. The That's Florida Panthers. Man, yeah. Good for them. And speaking of Marchie, March Assault, third player in the last 30 years to score a goal in each of his first three Stanley Cup final games. He's pretty good. Now, here it, with those numbers, is it possible if the if and this is almost painful to say, if the the Knights were to lose this series, could we still see March Assault get the Con no. Smythe? No. Because you said it's happened before. Yeah, usually, well, it's happened the last time it happened was 2003. It was a goaltender. Okay. The goalie has to be out of his mind, and they're losing seven. But no, because if Florida wins this series, that means that they're getting, you know, they're going to have some games where they're going to have great moments from either a Sergei Bobrovsky or a Matthew Kachuk. And it's been Kachuk. He's been the guy this entire postseason. So, uh, I know it's a gamble, 350, 450. I'm not saying it's a correlation for the plus 210. This isn't a uh, Nikola Jokic, Denver Nuggets situation, although it might be for Vegas and March Assault. Vegas minus 260 to win the series, March Assault minus 110. He's been that good. Uh, he scores in every game. I mean, could you imagine if he scores in game four? Yeah, I mean, it'd be like, insane. It's just, it, it, he's just fine. But yes, I can absolutely imagine it. Of course you can imagine it. Uh, that game will be tomorrow, tomorrow night. Panthers minus 125. So kind of like a similar line to what we had going into last night. A little bit of an increase. Panthers were minus 120. So it's a five cent increase on the Panthers. Total for now is at six, but it's juiced to the under. And... I think if Florida plays a cleaner game, which is to say they don't take eight penalties, they don't allow six power plays, I think they got a real good chance at winning this game and this being a 2-2 series going back to Vegas. I don't know why you do this. You're ruining the show. I guess I am. Yeah. I guess I am. Uh, I... I, um... 
Last night was um, the first night that I wagered real American dollars on VGK, and I lost. So I'm, I've got a bitter taste in my mouth. Um, so I would prefer – I'm actually thinking about betting them again, but I've, I've learned now that uh, I'm not a hockey expert. Uh, this is a recent – development uh i i don't know very much about hockey so i I watched a couple games and i was like what was the handicap i want vegas to win no i really thought that like they were they looked so dominant and it it felt like the way that that florida was playing like they were trying to bully them it was just leaving them open on the defensive end and and vegas was punishing them and i was like you just can't beat this team like that uh, but you you know it, the game looked t- game three looked totally different than game one and two. I mean, you still easily could have won. It hit the post up two one with five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to go. no, you're right. And and it know, took a, an empty net. It, it took yeah. a it took a goal with uh, with the goalie pulled, not an empty netter, but with the with the goalie pulled, having the extra man That's out what I mean. to score yeah, I'm, a goal. I'm sorry. And then they won in overtime. Yeah, so, so it, it, I mean, it's, I guess it's a coin flip. It's game. a coin flip game. And I got trust me, I, I have lost one twenty. I've so. lost plenty of them. NBA Finals Game Four tonight in Miami. Man, South Florida is like the sports capital of the world. The Stanley Cup Final Game Things last are going night. Well for them. NBA Final Game tonight. The Marlins have won eight of ten. Messi's going to Inter Miami. Can we call him Inter, or is that just like not right, McKenzie? I mean, people are going to think you're talking about Inter Milan. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, when you say Inter, it's like it's like share. That's what or they Madonna. get. For, that's what they get for naming their team that, though. It's like a one word thing. One word now. Yeah. So. Let's talk about what's going down in Miami tonight. The Heat trail two games to one. Denver, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in game four. That's an uptick from what we saw the closing number in game three, McKenzie. Actually, it was the number. It was two-and-a-half for 95% of the betting Mm. window in game three, but all the money came in on Denver, moved it up to three-and-a-half at close, and that's where it reopened at. And there's been absolutely no movement on the side or the total I'm not sure if it's right, but the market is pretty confident about the numbers at this point. And the total significant drop down, yeah. two and a, two ten and a half. And it's all about the pace. This pace is 89 possessions per team per game. It will be the slowest pace in the NBA Finals since 2014. Seven possessions less than the slowest pace team this year, which was the Cavs. Does that seem too low, though? I mean, where was it on game one? 219. Yeah. So we're, we are now a nine-point adjustment from game one. I understand, like, the later we get into this series, the more likely these games are to go under. But this just seems like a major, major adjustment from where we, where the books or the market thought it was going to be going into this series. It is. I'm not sure if I like the over, though. I mean, 89 possessions per game. Like, even if they're red hot, if you're at that pace, you're not going to go over. Uh, that said, though, I think the Miami Heat's got to do something different. Uh, I think they got to have a different approach, and that might lead to a completely different style of game. Eric Spolster, if anybody, can uh, can dictate uh, some change, some shuffling of the cards. So game one, we had, obviously, the game goes way under in game one. We had 100 and 197 points scored in game one, cl- a clear under. And then in game number two was what? One, uh, 111, so 219. 219. So obviously it goes over. Scott figures it out. He's Scott figures the average it out. For us. Yes, <laughs> and then and then we have the two o three in game number three. So let's do this two o three, right? <laughs> plus one ninety seven. One ninety seven plus two nineteen, and we're gonna divide that by three. We get two o six point three. Three 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 three. Three three three. Lots of threes there. <laughs> that would be under a two ten and a half. Exactly. Not, that's not the way of handicapping. I'm just figuring out an average here. That, that's why I mean I, I don't I don't love the over. If anything, I mean history repeats itself. Two oh six is probably where this where the series, you know, will average up. I, I would think there's gotta be some positive regression for Miami shooting. Like it, they were about as bad as they could be, reasonably as bad as they could be in game three. Uh, like, do you, do you think that that's something to, to consider when you're looking at the total? Like, if, if Miami makes four more threes in the game, maybe this is a different-looking game. Yeah, and what I like about it is they have a, a stable of three-point shooters where if Gabe Benson is cold again, they don't need to play him. They, they can get a lot of guys out there. So I feel like they'll find somebody to get hot in game four. All right, here's the props I'm looking at again. First, I want to ask you about three and the— Three-and-one on game three, A.J. Hoffman. Yeah, the, the, the prop that I that I like, the player prop I liked last game, the points, rebounds, assists for Adebayo— 
32 and a half it was, went he's cruised over. Despite him, it felt like he played a poor game. Yeah, seven for 21. Uh, but he, 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 got all the, he got plenty of rebounds and plenty of easy buckets. Yep. Uh, his number is now 34 and a half. He's, still aver- he's averaging over 40 in this series. Does 34 and a half still feel low? Because it feels like if Adab- I, they're not going to start going away from Adebayo because he had a 7 for 21 game. He missed several gimmies at the basket. Like you, you assume there's maybe some positive regression coming for him as well. Is 34 and a half, that, that two-point rebound assist jump, is that too much of a jump for you? I like the over. I mean, I, I, at least I lean that way. And it's juice minus 120 to the over, but... Uh, this is a do-or-die game, so he might play 45 minutes, and his average on the season is 32 and a half, so it seems like a few a few buckets more than that makes sense. Here's the other one I'm looking at. This number surprises me. Jokic's rebound number is set yeah. at 12 and a half. Like, he just had 19. I, I, it feels like that is, I don't want to say free money. It feels kind of like free money, though. Like, I, it, He's got to have... 14, 15 boards in this game. Yeah, he's averaging 14 in the series. Why is this 12? He's averaging 13 and a half in the playoffs. I really don't know. Yeah. Is that, that's an odd number, right? I bet you if you shop around, you could probably find less than that. I don't know. 12 and a half feels low as it is. Yeah, what, it's got to be juiced to the over, though, right? It is. It's um, It was minus 130. Okay. But it doesn't feel bad to me. I feel like I'm willing to lay that 130. I still like it. Do we think... The Heat have a chance to win this game. I do. I mean, more more than the market does. Even they're priced at three and a half. It's like forty percent, forty two percent. I feel like it's a coin flip game. I feel like this is a series. If the if the Heat lose this game, series over. It is, and especially after having like a dead cat game, like where they just looked like they didn't show up at all. Like they they almost couldn't have been worse last game. Right. If you can't win this, then like, what's the point of even finishing out the series? It feels like so. And and again, you lose both your home games. You can't afford to do that. But I, like we said on yesterday's show, if the Heat win this game, the Heat are happy going two and two in the first four games. Like they've shortened the series now to a three game series where it, there's even more variance in what can happen. Like they they would they would feel great with a two two split to start this thing. I expect the best effort here from the Heat and. On the dream preview, we went through like what the number should be here, and it and you know RJ and Fez, you guys were you guys were all talking about how two and a half felt light, yeah, and or it felt or it felt like you were getting a lot of points. With I the mean, heat. we were looking at a comp in Game Three of the first round, and the first two lines were very similar: nine and a half, eight and a half, right around there when the Nuggets were hosting the Timberwolves. And in Game Three, it was one. It was thinking that they have a big home court advantage, but they're about you know four points better than that. Timberwolves team that made it through the play-in and the Heat had a similar power rating but if anything they've proven to be a lot better I don't know the, the Nuggets have been upgraded by the Vegas market I mean they're favorites to win next year's title I think it's it says more about the about the market's expectation of this Denver team than any downgrade of the Heat it's I still feel like the Nuggets are so reliant on two guys they're really they really I mean especially in game three yeah and it feels unlikely that Murray – like, I, I know Murray's good. It feels like Murray was almost as good as he could be in game two. Like, I don't, th- I, I don't think he'll be that good in game two. So, if he has some regression, who picks up the slack? I don't know if there is anybody to pick up the slack. I agree with you. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has fallen off a cliff. He's now it, it, eight the for fact, 31 in the series. When your coach has to say, I still believe in him – uh, 25%. That's not ideal. Yeah. Not ideal when the coach in the middle of the series has to say, I, I still believe in him. Yeah, he's still he's still out there. He's our guy. That's, that's not a great feeling, I wouldn't think. But um, this is, this is a, I think, a max effort game here. Obviously, every NBA final should be max effort. Although, I, I, like I said yesterday, I thought it was odd that uh, the Heat pulled players out down nine with like two minutes left. Right. Like you feel like you just go balls to the wall until until they the, the final horn sounds. But hey, what do I know? I'm not an NBA coach, much less one of the best in the world like Eric Spolstra. Uh, but I, I assume this is play to the the bitter end, go all out to win this thing. And if they don't go out, uh, if they're not playing to the bitter end, it means that they're the ones up 10, 15 points late. So uh, teams in this role, so it is game four mm-hmm. of the series, and it is a 2-1. They're coming off the loss. So they lose game one, win game two, lose game three. 
We'll call that the zigzag. All right. Would you agree with that, McKenzie? Yes, indeed. That this is this has been a zigzag series. Yes. Okay. Bounce so, back. Teams in this role in the zigzag, the exact zigzag, uh, it's literally equal, like straight up. It's like fifty percent. It's thirty-four, thirty-three. So there's no difference there. But the under, and this is where I think, yeah, you're on something here with the under. We're at an average total of one hundred and ninety-nine point four. That's going back how long? This is as far as the database goes back, right? It's hard to do though because it like. There was a time where 199 was a high-scoring game. Like 199 now is the earliest I see here is 2008. Okay. Uh, well, what, 2008 what, what is the record? What is the over/under record? 29, 35, and three. All right. Significant to the under. Yeah. Significant to the under. But here's where I think there's the advantage. First quarter under. If you look at this breakdown by quarter, we have the lowest-scoring quarter being the first quarter of the game. And I think that makes sense because don't you think Miami it plays as locked down as they're going to play yeah. in the first quarter of this game? Now, do you remember what the first quarter total was in game three? 55 and a half. Do you know what it is here for game number four? 53 and a half? 52 and a half. Uh, they make you pay. So they I, I are think, on to something. I still think that's the way to look. And I just looked it up. Heat in the playoffs the last two years, 21 games. 14 unders, it's two-thirds, 67%. And their lowest-scoring quarter has been the first quarter, only 51 combined points. Yeah, the teams in the Heat's role have averaged 23.8 points in the first quarter. So, it's, I don't want to take the Heat plus a half a point in the first quarter because they've actually, these teams in this zigzag role playing at home here in Game 4 have actually been outscored in the first quarter. But I do like the under, even at 52 and a half. Uh, I think it could be, you know, like like we saw in, in game three, a 24-24 type, uh, like anything that's going to be under 50. And I think I'm going back to the well with the Heat in the fourth quarter. That's what I was going to ask. Like, is this is this something you feel like was a fluke? that it Because it felt to me like a fluky loss mm-hmm. in, in the fourth quarter. But I mean, at one point we were down 21 and, and entered 14, so we were down seven, but... We were also up five with a minute left when they took everybody out. So it was it was it was an absolute coin flip. Yeah. And if you look at the database here of teams in the Heat's role, they have outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter. So and and the Heat are still a plus now they're not plus ninety anymore. They're plus eight. Oh no, it finished at a tie. No, it finished, they were down one. So they're a plus eighty nine now in the fourth <laughs> quarter in these playoffs. I still think that's pretty darn good. So uh Heat plus a half a point in the fourth quarter, minus one ten. I think that's the play. Okay. I think that's the play. We're going to go under 52 and a half first quarter at like even it. money. And then we're going to go heat plus a half a point fourth quarter minus 110. I endorse, I endorse both those plays. Well, thank you, sir. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, a celery chopped up, and... Let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1. And all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and Five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players 
and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. News in the football world. Uh, There's a couple of news and notes around the NFL, but we'll start with the Minnesota Vikings who are going to be releasing running back Dalvin Cook. Uh, They were trying to trade him, but couldn't find a deal. And so his six-year run in Minnesota comes to an end. He is 28 years old. He uh, surpassed 1,500 touches in his career last year. He's a heavy yardage guy, heavy usage guy. Doesn't score a ton of touchdowns, but still one of the more, uh, you know, suitable backs in the NFL. Sixth in the league in rushing last year and just in pure rushing yards. They will still owe him $2 million, but they saved $9 million in salary cap space. So that's a pretty good value for them. And Alexander Madison, who's been a very serviceable, serviceable backup for the past couple of years. He's always been like that handcuff in fantasy. Like, when you draft Dalvin Cook, like, you know Dalvin Cook's going to miss, like, one game or two, right? You just draft Alexander Madison. And then, like, you sit there, and I'm speaking from experience because I'm a a Dalvin – I was a Dalvin Cook fantasy owner for many years. And I'm sitting here, and it's like, Dalvin Cook's having a monster game, right? He's got, like, 90 yards, and they get down to the three-yard line. And then the Vikings score, and I check – Alexander Madison, three Son of touchdown a... rush. Yeah, he absolutely stole. He was the touchdown He's vulture. He's the Mike Allstad. Mike yes, he was the vulture for uh, Dalvin Cook. But now he's going to be the number one running back. So the Vikings will turn to Madison. And I think that this is a decision that they knew that they were going to make. As I mentioned, they were trying to trade him for some time now. Mackenzie, has there been any change in the Vikings' odds or their win total after this news broke? None at all. And we kind of talked about this pre-production. It was baked in. They're still 50-1 to one to win it all. And they're six-and-a-half-point favorites week one hosting the Bucks. Yeah, and eight-and-a-half is still their win total. Still juiced at minus 130 to the over. Um, this was a win total that I actually gave out on the Dream Preview this week. and I That's even, why you wanted to know that number. And so I even mentioned that I expected them to release Dalvin yeah. Cook, and it wasn't going to, to affect it. Uh, wasn't going to affect my decision, I should say. Uh, I think that what's the uh, the old adage, right? Running backs don't matter. That's um, what they say. I think they are easily replaceable. And I think Alexander Madison will t- turn in a nice effort as the starting running back for the Minnesota Vikings. So on that note, Robert Griffin III got on Twitter and had some feelings about this. He said running backs are getting hosed in the NFL. Dalvin Cook is 27. He is 27, by the way. Turns 28 on August 10th. Okay. He's 27, coming off four straight 1,000-yard seasons with 43 touchdowns. He's more than earned the money left on his contract. My question is, however good he is, it's a free market. He will be paid yeah. accordingly to his, his skill set at this current time. It's not like we pay people for things that they've done in the past. So I, I really don't understand the argument of we should pay this guy money or he shouldn't be cut. It's like, all right, they're less important than we thought a few years ago, and the world's adjusting. Maybe they're over-adjusting, but I don't really get the uh, – why would angst. why would anybody be angry by this? Like, I don't know. He's now That's free, what I'm saying. He's a free agent that can sign anywhere with anybody. Like, okay, he was set to take up fourteen million dollars in salary cap. Why would the Vikings be obliged and earn eleven million dollars if he spent the season with the Vikings? Like that's that's like best running back in the league number. Saquon Barkley got franchise tagged, and that's the average of the top five highest at the position, and it was, what, $10 million, McKenzie? $10.1 million. $10.1 million. So you're saying that Dalvin Cook now should be making more than that, should be a top four, top three, actually top two paid running back in the NFL? Uh, ironically, Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook had a, the exact same yards per carry last year, 4.4 yards per carry. One guy got the franchise tag. The other guy just got cut. So uh, th- th- take that for what you will, but that's th- that's how the, the, the league is sometimes. League average last year, 4.5. There you go. So cut both of them, I guess. Yeah, wow. That's true. Yeah. 
Pay one of them top five money, throw the other one out with the bathwater. Well, Saquon scored two more touchdowns, though. Okay. All right. right. Well, Saquon, a little more value in the passing game as well. Another thing that I didn't think of when when we were talking about this, like you mentioned Alexander Madison, as much as you can be excited about a seventh-round rookie running back, Dwayne McBride, the UAB running back, who was a dominant player in college, Mm -hmm. that's who the Vikings took in the seventh round. And if he can kind of shore up some ball security issues – like you could see him be he's like a wrecking ball type of running back. He's he's got no value in the passing game, which is why he ended up going in the seventh round. Yeah. But this is a guy who's got great burst, great power at the line of scrimmage. A guy I think is I think you might see some reps with him this season. So maybe the Vikings feel like they can just do the same job cheaper. Yeah. Probably, and I think the Vikings will probably open it up more on offense as well. They have the best wide receiver in the game in Justin Jefferson. They drafted Jordan Addison, who's one of the top wide receivers going into the draft from USC. You like Jefferson over Hill? I think Hill might be better. Tyreek Hill? I think think Jefferson's a better overall player, more complete player. I don't know. Tua looked like an elite quarterback for some reason last year. Well, Well, that's because Jalen Waddle's pretty good, too. (laughs) They're both good. They're They're both very good. And offensive scheme was pretty solid in, in, uh, in Miami as well. Yeah, I mean, Jefferson, not as fast as the Cheetah, probably has better hands. I would go Justin Jefferson. The question is, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase? That's the question you have to ask. Who's the best wide receiver in the NFL? I'd still go Justin Jefferson. I'm going to go Tyreek Hill, but I, I, it, it, six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> listen, running backs don't matter. Wide receivers do. <laughs> so that's uh, the top story floating around. The NFL uh, yesterday was the move here uh, by the Vikings that they will be releasing Dalvin Cook. Uh, The Broncos are signing Frank Clark, so Denver gets a little bit of a boost here as Sean Payton gets himself now a veteran defensive end. Does that maybe increase your opinion on the the Denver Broncos? I'm already kind of high on the Broncos. I I feel like the Broncos, their roster – is much better, like much better than their record was last year. Mm-hmm. I think they were held back by a dopey head coach. Like I, I really do. I, I and I don't think Russell right. Wilson. Russell Wilson went from being like a top ten quarterback to a, a bottom ten in one year. I think that he was getting bad coaching. I think there it's almost impossible for him to get bad coaching this season. And they have a good roster. They play in a tough division, no doubt. But. Man, I, I think that they are maybe a little bit undervalued. And, they, again, they keep adding to the defensive side. So you lean to the over 8.5. I do lean to over 8.5, yeah. And uh, one other note, Bryce Young officially QB1 for the Panthers. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a shocking development. Shocking development. Must have I, a great OTA. Beat out yeah. Matt Corral. <laughs> no, Andy Dalton. Oh. He beat out Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was listed as the quarter, uh, the starter and getting the reps with the ones. but uh, For about two days. <laughs> yes. But Frank Reich said that uh, – this is the next step in the evolution for the number one overall pick. That's good. That in Frank other Wright words, did that. in other words, got a phone call. Ring, ring. Listen, <laughs> Bryce better be getting run with the number ones. He's our starting quarterback. Enough with this Andy Dalton nonsense. Trying to sell tickets here. Bill O'Brien went into the season with Deshaun Deshaun Watson in his rookie year, and Bill O'Brien said. Tom Savage is our starting quarterback for about one game. We we, can't, we have to start Savage. He's the only guy who can handle this offense right now. Halftime of game one <laughs> that went out the window. Deshaun Watson became the starter for the Houston Texans in the second half of that game. There's some drama going on here in uh, Las Vegas. Well, not in Las Vegas, I guess in Carson City. Oh, okay. As the Nevada State Senate is still undecided on what the heck is going to go on with the new Las Vegas A's ballpark. Just build it. If you build it, they'll come. I've heard that before. I agree with that. It worked. Yeah. It worked. You can ease his pain and go the distance, too. But the state, Nevada State Senate, uh, adjourned yesterday without voting on a financing bill. The stadium, a proposed $1.5 billion stadium on the Strip. We've already got the renderings. we got everything going on. But it says here it has to pass the Senate and then still need approval from the Assembly before— going to the desk of the governor. So I don't know what's holding it up here. I don't know who's filibustering. Yeah, that's a good, that's you a know, good word, politics yeah. term. Someone filibustering here to try and not get this done. This is bureaucratic nonsense. You know what it is? Like, it's definitely somebody that's like a representative for like 
some random ass state. No, some random ass city Try to get some in the pork state. In the like, like, like the representative from Mesquite, Nevada, <laughs> is saying. My constituents don't want to pay for a ballpark in Las Vegas. If you're gonna build one in Vegas, you gotta build one in Mesquite. Like that's, that, that's all I'm saying. Like that's what's going on because I bet you, like whoever's like in the Nevada State Senate or whatever that like representing Vegas, they just come in and it's like Bart Simpson when he talks. He's like, "Hey, China, I thought you were cool, man. <laughs> you know, like that's cool. Yeah, like that's what's going on. Like the people that represent Clark County, they go in there and they're like, they put their shades on and it's like, hey. We gonna push through this 1.5 billion dollar ballpark or what? And they're like, "We got you. Don't worry. We yeah, got well, you." Well, the, there's people in other cities who are like, "Hey, we need new stands at our rodeo arena. <laughs> what the hell? Who's gonna pay for that?" Yeah. Shut up, Ely. <laughs> yeah, like like the the councilman from Pahrump wants to get something done. Like I don't know what's going on. Why is there such a delay here? I'm not I'm not watching like C-SPAN and I'm not up to date on all the Nevada State Assembly here, but it seems like every day I'm reading something on Twitter about how public funding and the financing bill has still not been approved to get this stadium done. I mean, look at the Las Vegas Raiders. There was so much turmoil about the hotel tax, not even citizens, hotel tax yeah. to bring the Raiders here. Uh, I think housing has doubled. I think the price of a of a single family house has doubled since 2018 when that was announced. It's good for the state and now they're to have the professional area. sports. They're calling it the Allegiant District. The area surrounding Allegiant Stadium is about to get built up. They just released renderings yesterday of a multi billion dollar hotel property, no gaming floor, but just a hotel property that is going to be built behind Allegiant Stadium. There's going to be more property more stuff that's going to pop up building around the stadium there i i just i don't know they got to vote on this soon they got to get this thing done soon and the a's are sitting here going get us out we don't <laughs> want to be in oakland anymore god the a's are going to end up in some weird ass town that nobody saw coming it's going to be like the jackson mississippi a's <laughs> here to take on the rangers the lake of the ozark a's <laughs> the, the branson missouri yeah. a's Oh. So, what are the random cities that I, are in the, the Des Moines A's? Here we go. I think I think they have a, uh, a minor league. Think the Cubs, Cubs, right? right? Yeah. Des Moines, right? Yeah. Mackenzie, the Cubs minor league teams in Des Moines. The right. Iowa Cubs, right. the Iowa Cubs. Yeah, right. exactly. Some call them the I Cubs for short. Ah, uh, like the. <laughs> Does uh, anyone call them that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the oh, yeah. Pa, like the Paw Sox. Yeah, yeah. Paw Sox. I Paw Cubs. Sox. Uh, I Cubs. Yeah. That's right. You know who the Paw Sox are, Mackenzie? No idea. No clue. You What's know who that? the Sugarland Space Cowboys are? Oh, they're the uh, Cowboys from Sugarland, but they used I'm to also be, from space. They used to be the Sugarland Skeeters. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah. then someone, where do they play? The Sugarland Space Cowboys in Sugarland. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, but then someone told them what skeeting actually means. Mm. And they were like, oh, we've got to change our name to the Space Cowboys. So they became the Sugarland Space. Ow, ski, 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 ski. Minor league midnight teams, tokers. Minor league teams have great <laughs> names. There was they really do. There was one promotion. Where the Staten Island Yankees, remember there was a story, I don't know if you guys if you guys remember, but there was a story of course we'll that remember. went viral online of a rat in a New York City subway that was dragging pizza a slice rat. of pizza. Yeah, yeah. Everybody remembers the pizza rat. Yeah. And so for a weekend, the Staten Island Yankees changed their name to the Staten Island Pizza Rats. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah. Incredible logo. Why isn't there a Disney movie about this? Yeah. It, why, why, didn't they keep, why didn't they keep that name? They should have kept that name. Yeah. <laughs> Yankees has been done. Yeah. That team doesn't even exist anymore, I don't believe. Uh, I think that's done. So, oh, that's yeah. too bad. The Staten Island Pizza I bet Rats. It, I bet it wouldn't be if they would have been the Pizza Rats. They'd still exist. <laughs> so let's talk about the slate here for tonight. Diamondbacks are at the Tigers. Merrill Kelly gets a start for Arizona. Their game yesterday was postponed against the Nationals. It'll be made up sometime in August uh, because of the air quality in D.C. Canadian wildfires, the smoke is now migrating south. Great. As the wind pushes the smoke south. I hope it doesn't spin back our way. Never happened. Okay. By the time it gets over, like, the Grand Canyon, it'll just, like... The Grand Canyon will just suck it up. Yeah, exactly. It serves as, like, a big suction cup in the ground. So the Diamondbacks will send Merrill Kelly to the hill against the Tigers. Arizona's minus 145. Michael Lorenzen on the hill for the Tigers. An incredible matchup in Tampa. The two best teams in Major League Baseball going at it this weekend, the Rangers and the Rays. Game one. Tyler Glasnow against Andrew Haney. Tampa Bay is minus 170. And with the way that Tampa hits against lefties, it's hard to argue with this number. Yeah, they, they pushed. I think they pushed back Glasnow's start, which was supposed to be yesterday. I think they pushed it back because they said for rest. Mm-hmm. But I think there was something to do we want to pitch Glasnow against the Twins 
or do we want to pitch him against the Rangers? Yeah. And felt like, yeah, let's let's pitch him against the Rangers. If we can get in an extra day of rest and pitch him against the Rangers, let's do that. Uh, you're right. They do beat up lefties. 170 is a big number. It is a big number. Uh, between between uh, two competitive teams, but uh, it's the only way I'd look. Yeah, Tampa Bay is hot right now. They've won uh, six straight games. Uh, game two of the series tomorrow will be Taj Bradley and Nathan Yavaldi, And then game three on Sunday, Shane McClanahan and Martin Perez. That's, oh, that's a some tremendous good matchup. Yeah, matchup. That's a good series. I wish that was on Sunday Night Baseball, but it's Yankees-Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, my God. Even though it's like Brian Bellow and Clark Schmidt on Sunday. They're putting Clark Schmidt there on Sunday Night Baseball? like. like wouldn't you, wouldn't, you much ra- wouldn't you much rather see Rays, Rangers, yes, McClanahan, McClanahan, and Perez? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the best games then of the Clark year. Then Clark Schmidt, although Clark Schmidt, two straight unders. What do I know? Speaking of Yankees, Red Sox, Garrett Cole will get the start tonight. He is 7-0 with a 2-8-2 ERA. Garrett Whitlock will start for the Red Sox. The Yankees are minus 170. Give me Garrett in this one. You want Garrett or Garrett? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to know. It's Garrett or Garrett. Which one yeah, do you want? Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Garrett. 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 Go on, Garrett. Uh, Royals are at the Orioles. Daniel Lynch gets a start for KC. Tyler Wallace for Baltimore. Baltimore's minus 190. Dodgers are at the Phillies. Michael Grove against Ranger Suarez. It's an even Ooh. spread and a total of nine. Ranger Suarez sucks now. So does Michael Grove. Um, you got two yeah. guys that give up a ton of runs, and you have the best over team in baseball in the Dodgers. So I would lean towards the over in this one. Mets at the Pirates. Boy, the Mets. They just keep finding ways to lose. Uh, Had a a good game going last night against the Braves. The bullpen blows it in the ninth and then eventually the tenth. The Mets have lost six straight games. Tyler McGill gets the start for them in Pittsburgh against Rich Hill and the Pirates. No Pete Alonso likely again in the lineup for the Mets, although Francisco Alvarez hit two home runs yesterday. Rich Hill continues to somehow keep hitters off balance. Mets are minus 120. Maybe there's something about the Pirates. I don't know. This team stinks. Too. I don't know. Yeah, And you, you said the bullpen blew it. And, and they did. But let's not, again, Justin Verlander threw three innings. Yeah. So they, they taxed him. Yeah. Like, the, the whole team stunk. So the two highest payrolls in baseball, the Padres and the Mets, are both underdogs at this point to make the playoffs. What's going on? Yeah. Scott? What's going on is they're not playing well. Spend more money. God damn. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Uh, twi- Look at the Rays model. If you spend less money, you win a bunch of games. Here's an interesting. The Rays 27th in spending. <laughs> Here's an interesting First one. in the MLB. Twins are at the Blue Jays. Blue Jays are favored. Toronto's hot. They've won 8 of 10. Mm-hmm. You say Kikuchi starting for the Blue Jays. Six I say and Kikaichi. 4.4 ERA. You say Kikuchi. I say Kikaichi. Sonny Gray on the hill for the Twins. 4 and 1 with a 2.15 ERA. Mm-hmm. Sonny Gray is an underdog against the Blue Jays. Uh, here's what I'll say. If you like the twins and I, I think I do first five, because I'm telling you when you bet on the twins and Sonny gray, there's no worse feeling than that, that manager coming out and when they're the up ball to nothing and they take them out of the game. And it's like, everything feels like God, if it was, if Sonny gray wasn't so great, the twins are getting hammered here and they take the ball from him and inevitably it melts. So yeah, if you're playing the twins, which I can make an argument for, I would look at first five. Twins have lost six straight games, uh, or excuse me, five straight games, and they have only scored six runs. They have played Tampa. In those five games combined. It's, you know, put an asterisk by it. Tampa's pretty good. I think first five under might be the way to go here. I like that too. Astros are at the Guardians. Christian Javier gets the start for Houston. They're minus 125 in Cleveland against Logan Allen and the Guardians. Total in this one is eight. Both of these pitchers have been really good this season, but both of these pitchers are regression candidates. Both Javier and Logan Allen, ERAs of 284 and 276, both of them have expected ERAs above four. So I think both of them are due to give up some runs. It's just a matter of who's going to do it on what day. Uh, well, I and no Jordan Alvarez in the lineup for the Astros. If I'm if I'm the Astros and I'm Christian Javier, and I, I think regression might be coming. I don't think it comes with the Cleveland Guardians, who cannot hit. Yeah, but I'm worried about the Astros without Jordan Alvarez in the lineup. Re- rightfully so. They he are is, a much lesser unit without him. by far their best offensive yep. production. Uh, Josiah Gray gets the start for the Nationals against the Braves. Atlanta's minus 205. A.J. Smith-Shaver gets the start for the Braves. Made up person. It's, it's his first start. He came out of the bullpen throwing gas 
Uh, total in this one is 10. Uh, it's kind of more so a fade of Josiah Gray with that total. Uh, the Marlins, who have won 8 of 10, are at the White Sox. Chicago's minus 145. It's still in C-Stay. He'll go against Yuri Perez. I might be interested in the Marlins against Dylan Cease. I don't hate it. They, they've been playing really well. Uh, Cease has Cease hasn't regressed like on an Alec Manoa level, but he's certainly not the pitcher he was a year ago. And the White Sox around the the, the offense isn't as good as it was. And Luis Arias just doesn't get out. Ever. He doesn't. Uh, well, he a- actually gets out about sixty percent of the time. Yeah, but still, still that, pretty that's good. Hall of Fame quality. Uh, the A's are at the Brewers. The A's have won back-to-back series, so break up the A's as they took uh, – not back-to-back series. They, um, they, to say. they, yeah, they won back-to-back games as they took a series from the Pirates, winning two of three. Now they'll send Luis Medina, who is 0-5 with an 8.19 ERA to the mound against the Brewers. Milwaukee minus 250 with Adrian Hauser on the hill. Milwaukee. It has to be. Yeah. And it's it sucks because uh I I lost with the system. Me too. But I'm I'm back on it. I'm I'm riding it once again. The Reds are at the Cardinals. I feel like Cincinnati they call up Ellie De La Cruz and now they're the most fun team in baseball. He's a fun player, man. He yeah. really he really is. So yeah, it, it's it is a, a good watch. St. Louis is minus one ninety with Jordan Montgomery on the hill against Ben Lively. The Padres are at the Rockies, San Diego minus one ninety, you Darvish against Austin Gomber. Total is eleven and a half there at Coors Field. Mariners at the Angels. Talk about a great pitching matchup here. Luis Castillo and Shohei Otani. Angels minus 130, total of seven and a half. First five under, something like that. Yeah. Full game under. Maybe. Seven and a half. I mean, listen, Reed Detmers didn't allow that many runs no. yesterday. I mean, the Angels starting to put some things together, right? And anytime you bet, anytime you see Otani, it's it's like, do I really want to bet against him? Uh, although he did lose last time out against the Astros. The Cubs, speaking of the loss to the Angels last night, Cubbies are in San Francisco to take on the Giants. Marcus Stroman, Anthony DiSclefani, San Francisco's minus 120 total of seven and a half. I think that has to do with both those pitchers being really, really good, but also the ballpark there in San Francisco. So could be in for another under game. There, out in the Bay. The Cubbies have lost four straight games. UFC 289 this weekend. And I'm going to be honest, this is not a great card. Uh, This is, in fact, kind of a shitty card. There are two good fights at the top. Uh, Irene Aldana and uh, Amanda Nunes for the, the title. And then Benil Dariush and Charles Oliveira, an elite lightweight matchup and then there's a bunch of filler and sometimes it'd be like that you don't got to pay 70 bucks for it but hey you can still make some money off of it and that's what I'm planning to do and I'm going to go with one of the better cards outside one of the better fights on the card outside those top two is Nasruddin Mavov against uh Chris Action Man Curtis two guys coming off losses to top tier middleweights Curtis dropped a controversial decision to Kelvin Gastelum uh, it was a, a nip-tuck fight, and it, it, Curtis got knocked down by a clash of heads. The ref never announced it as a clash of heads. Replay clearly showed it was a clash of heads. The judges were never informed that it was. All they saw was Chris Curtis got knocked down, and Kelvin Gaslam wins a close decision. That's the break sometimes. Uh, Imavov got overmatched against uh, Sean Strickland, who recently fought for the title. So, it, But here's what Imavov does do. He's a six foot three middleweight. He presents some problems for Chris Curtis, who's 5'10". And as a stocky guy, he's got to really work his way inside and land big shots. And this happened against Jack Hermanson, who's another tall, rangy middleweight. And he just kept Curtis at the end of his jab, didn't let him get inside. Amavov is the more technical striker. He's never been finished. I think he's – I'm not worried about him getting sparked. So I, I think he outpoints him. Curtis is a tough, tough guy. But I do think that Amavov outpoints him here. You can get Amavov at minus 150 in this matchup. So Nasordine Amavov over Chris Curtis, minus 150. Question. What wasn't this supposed to be Juliana Pena? It and was. Nunez? And Juliana Pena got hurt. This is a better matchup. Like this is a, What this, do you mean? Better matchup for Nunez or just a better a, a more, a more competitive matchup? Matchup. Juliana Pena won the won the first fight. And I that was because 
Pena was having the kid. I think if you stuff, if you if you, Nunez, if, you, yeah. if you do that fight twenty times, that's the one time out of twenty that Pena wins. Um, but I, I so I don't I don't see them being competitive. Uh, the the second fight was a lopsided decision win mm-hmm. for Nunez. Aldana at least provides a different look. Really good striker. Really good power. And she trains at the same gym. Her top training partner is Alexa Grasso, who is the ladies' flyweight champion. So mm. there could be two Mexican women champion from the same gym. I think it's highly unlikely because Amanda Nunez is the best lady fighter in the history of time. Yeah. But, and there's really no debating that. But she's beatable. We've seen it. We mm-hmm. saw Juliana Pena do it. So if Juliana Pena can do it, anything can happen. But uh, I lean to I, I lean to Nunez in that fight, and I I, I kind of like Charles Oliveira, the former champion at a dog price. He's coming off a loss, obviously lost his title uh, to Islam Mahashev, and I think that fight, he did not look good. He did not look competitive. But people forgot before that, he hadn't lost since 2017. And he was beating Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson. You name the big name lightweight, and he had beat them in the last you know five years. Uh, one loss, now all of a sudden he's an underdog. I, I, I'm not feeling it. So uh, I, I think I think Charles Oliveira plus one twenty five shows a little bit of value. And what do we know about Diana Belbita? Uh, Hot on Instagram. That's all. I, that's, that's all, that's that's all want, you need to know. That's what I want. That's all you need to know. If she loses. Is she single? If she loses, she's probably cut from the UFC. She'll still have a good Instagram following no matter what. Uh, so that's the uh, the first the first fight of the night. So tune yeah. in early if you want to see Diana do her, do her work. If you want more UFC picks from AJ Hoffman, you can go to pregame.com and Check out his UFC card. Full package up. You can check out a variety of discounted packages we have available for you at pregame.com. You click on the Buy Picks page. A lot of discounted packages there. A lot of great offers for you, including a bulk dollar offer and a Canadian Football League offer. And speaking of the CFL, here on Straight Out of Vegas AM, we're going to give you a CFL-free bet. Now you're saying, Scott, what is a CFL-free bet? Well, if you use the promo code, CFL25 at pregame.com. That's going to get you a free Canadian Football League best bet. But if that best bet costs less than $25, you get to keep the bounce. Basically, it's $25 to spend at pregame.com on a CFL best bet. You can bet on football today. You can bet on football. We do have a game coming up tonight. We have games all weekend, so we have one game tonight. We have one game tomorrow. We have one game on Sunday. Tonight, the Hamilton Tiger Cats take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Winnipeg, minus five and a half. Tomorrow, Ottawa Red Blacks at the Montreal Alouettes. Montreal, minus two and a half. And on Sunday, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at the Edmonton Elks. The Elks are minus two and a half. We got a bunch of pros at pregame.com that will be focusing on the CFL. Fezzik's going to have CFL picks. Goodfella, Stephen Norver, J.R. O'Donnell, Spartan. Head to pregame.com. If you're not a member, sign up. It's free. And when you do sign up for free, you get a free $25 just for signing up. Use that free $25 plus the free CFL 25. Bang. 50 bucks right there. My math is Bang, bang. The charts. For AJ Hoffman and Mackenzie Rivers, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great, profitable weekend. We are straight out of Vegas AM.